Welcome to the CT BizCast. I'm your host, Allie Warshavsky, and today on our podcast, we are talking about a special partnership between Downs Construction Company and the Hospital for Special Care. We have Tom Ramanoli here from Downs with us today. We also have Lynn Rickey and Jeff Lawton from the Hospital of Special Care to discuss how they were able to build and renovate a partial hospital unit for kids with autism, the new inpatient building, which the partial hospital program is a part of is one of 11 in the country. Jeff, Tom, and Lynn, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Tom, how large is Downs Construction and how long have you been established in Connecticut? Downs Construction has been uh, was established in Connecticut in 1934. So we've been around for 87 years. We're going on our 87th year. We're going on to our, we're in our third generation of ownership. Annually, we do about uh, $200 million uh, worth of work. One of our primary focuses is on health care and our partnership with the Hospital for Special Care. And you do you have two locations, just one in Connecticut? Yeah, we're home-based out of New Britain for a long uh, period of time uh, in the early stages of the company. Uh, primarily, there was enough work to sustain uh, our company in New Britain. And for a long time, uh, our company thought it was far to travel outside of the New Britain, Harvard area, but we have since grown a little bit and we do have an office in Rhode Island. Uh, we're pers- uh, pursuing uh, work and we've secured some work with, uh, with the Providence School and Newport School uh, districts. Well, that's great. Now in 2019, you were approached with a special project by Lynn to help expand the hospital for special care. Lynn, tell us the work the hospital does with kids with autism and what you needed to reach out to Downs for to help you with. So the hospital has been involved in uh, working with children and their families with autism uh, since 2010 when we responded to a significant need in the community. So our program grew uh, from being just an outpatient program. Uh, In 2010, we opened uh, an inpatient unit in 2015 and have continuously added beds to that unit based on the demand. Um, What we have done recently uh, is to open up an additional level of care. When we built our new building, uh, it is 12 private rooms, um, really very uh, specific space for this population. And we added a partial hospital program, uh, which is a level of care that is uh, toggles between being an inpatient unit um, and, uh, and also an outpatient program. So it's very intensive. Kids come for several hours a day receive the support that they need to be safe, and then they're able to go home to their families at night. So explain to me, is that the part of it that makes it unique in one of 11 in the country, the inpatient, outpatient portion? Well, interestingly, we were just uh, recognized by Stanford University's uh, Research Center as one of the top four programs for autism in the country. They actually reviewed 90 programs across the country. And I think what makes us unique is one, yes, that broad continuum that we uh, provide and the coordination of care. These are really complex kids uh, that need to have a lot of tangents in their life that need to be brought together. But what makes us unique is that we have a dedicated specific unit for kids who have autism spectrum disorder. So we are, we are not a psychiatric hospital. We're a chronic disease hospital and we, we uh, treat kids for their behavioral disturbance and work with their families to, uh, to help them return home safely. And 99% of our kids uh, go back home to their families successfully. 
Now, you uh, said there's a pretty high demand for uh, the hospital, right? There's a waiting list for people to have treatment? That's correct. So we currently have 12 available beds uh, with an average length of stay of about 25 days. Uh, and we have a waiting list that averages between 15 and 25 kids per day on the list to come into one of the very few beds that would open with a discharge. Wow, so a very high demand uh, time for you guys and, and big need that you're adding to the community. Now, Jeff or Tom, what types uh, of adjustments did you have to make to, the, to make sure it worked for kids with sensory issues and other special needs? So the, the architect uh, worked pretty hard on, on making sure that this was all, all in place. Um, it's, it's not like you're, you're building a, a typical inpatient unit. Um, the, some of the considerations were the muted colors that we use on the unit. Um, we have a bunch of skylights to have natural light come in, but it has to be uh, uh, filtered. Uh, so we don't have bright sunlight with shadows. Uh, we have quite a bit of sound deadening material up there. So we don't get the loud noises, the echoing. Um, the floor has a, has a pretty cool pattern on it. But again, the colors are, are muted. Um, and, and, and then there's a, a pretty stringent safety factor that has to go into a unit like this. So we, uh, we also helped support that effort during the pre-construction uh, with uh, estimating and um, uh, material procurement. So we wanted to make sure that we provided uh, the hospital and the architects with enough valuable information as it related to the availability of, of equipment and materials and also the constructability and then uh, and then provide estimates and budgets so that we were able to work within the confines of the overall uh, budget that the hospital uh, had provided and then ultimately meet their schedule. And Tom, you said, I believe that you brought in someone from Florida to help develop these silent rooms or that you that were part of the construction. Correct. So there are uh, there are quiet rooms uh, throughout wow. the facility. And it is a specialty type product and uh, manufacturer. Um, and they came in from Florida. Um, and during our project uh, through 2020, we went through the, uh, the COVID-19 uh, pandemic right, right through the, the heart of it. And one of the interesting parts of, the, uh, of that particular manufacturer was they came in from Florida and we had to adhere to the very specific COVID-19 guidelines. Um, so, to kind of double back to what Jeff was saying, you know, we had to make sure that we had that material secured. Uh, it was budgeted properly in uh, in the early stages of 2019, and then ultimately available for the installation uh, and to be on schedule when we opened the building in, in 2020. Yeah, so you were lucky with the supply chain issue. You guys had already thought about that before it became an even bigger issue across the country, and it's been open since October, correct? That's correct. That's correct. How did you manage, you know, you just touched on this, but how did you manage to keep construction going during the pandemic? You touched on the fact that you luckily had the supplies ready, but obviously you have a lot of workers inside spaces and a contagious virus. How did you guys work around this? Sure. So we always have a high emphasis on uh, the safety of our workers and then working in an occupied hospital and an unoccupied campus. We have a strong emphasis on the safety of the administration and the other patients. But as uh, COVID-19 and the pandemic uh, hit, we had to take a step back and we had to rethink some of our policies and our procedures. 
Um, so we implemented very specific COVID-19 uh, procedures. Every trade contractor, including uh, Downs as the controlling construction manager, had to update their safety policies and everybody needed to have specific work requirements and we had to adhere to the uh, CDC requirements. In other words, um, we had to look at uh, particular tasks where we were able to maintain safe distances uh, to continue to work. And uh, in our industry and the, the healthcare industry, we were essential workers. So, you know, as people were driving to work, there were billboards and things uh, telling people to stay home. But, you know, mm -hmm. first and foremost, we needed to make sure that uh, our workforce was comfortable and felt safe coming to work. Uh, and we were able to do that with the new policies and procedures. Uh, we did safety and wellness checks uh, prior to the start of each workday. We also added hand wash stations, updated temporary toilets. Um, so we, we, we took that to, uh, to heart very much so to keep everybody safe and working. And Lynn or Jeff, how important was it that they did continue working? I mean, you know, healthcare again, a field where you couldn't stop either um, to get this done because it seems why this wait list and what you're saying that there is such a demand, any pause in this project could have been a little bit of a problem. It was essential that we met those timeframes. A lot had to come together. Obviously we hired staff, so we wanted to make sure that we were efficiently using staff. So we didn't want staff sitting around um, when a unit was not opened. Um, but fortunately, you know, Downs and, and Jeff's team really came through and delivered. Actually, the project was finished six weeks early. And all that meant is we were able to move in and, you know, um, within days, the, the other two beds were occupied uh, simply because we wanted to get used to the, to the unit itself. So really a great success story, I would say. Yeah, to finish early, given the circumstances, is pretty impressive. Were there any things you learned working through the pandemic that you now implement today? Are there some things that you've stuck that have stuck with you? Like I believe you mentioned, the hand washing stations are more prevalent now. Yeah, just just like anything else, uh, when you when you have to tackle something like this and you have to rethink some of the policies and procedures that you know you had implemented in your company, it is a, a good way to kind of fall back and look at what positive things we can bring out of having to deal with this uh, and the up, updated uh, level of safetyness and cleanliness now will forever be part of our current uh, safety plan uh, and it seems like it's it's relatively simple it's inexpensive but like you mentioned adding hand wash temporary hand wash stations throughout the project and not taking that for granted uh, is something that we're, we'll, we'll be implementing uh, throughout all our construction projects. And what about you, Lynn? Um, is there anything that's being done differently? I'm sure there is, but um, that as you care for these these kids who have special needs, um, they probably are, your staff's adjusting to a new way of caring for them. Sure. So again, this unit is uh, kids as young as five and, and goes up to 21. So most of the individuals on this unit are not able to be vaccinated. And so that, um, and they also are not uh, comfortable wearing masks. These kids have, you know, a lot of sensory disorders. So having something on their face, none of us like wearing masks, but we can push through and tolerate it. So, you know, we, we've had to pivot in so many ways. Really critically was in the beginning when we had to stop visitation. So kids were coming into a hospital and their parents were not, not able to come and visit. Fortunately, we've been able to modify 
um, our visitation, it's still not back to what it was previously, um, but we, it's really essential that families are able to visit their children so that we can train them. And I, I think healthcare is forever changed as a result of the pandemic. I think we will never go back completely uh, to the way we were. So it's it's become pretty ingrained in our, our day to day. I do hope to lose mass one day though. <laughs> I was just going to comment on how, how uh, we transitioned to the video uh, meetings. Yeah. You know, all of a sudden, uh, the video meetings uh, just, you know, exploded and we found ways to meet and to communicate and to coordinate our projects um, quicker and more efficient. So to, in some cases, the Zoom meetings and the video meetings are, are going to stay as well. I know, I think when people think of construction, you think of men on the ground, right? You don't think of these Zoom meetings, definitely something you would have had to adapt to. Um, well, what's next, guys? Are, are there any projects you're working on together or separately that are big and upcoming in the future you're looking forward to? So I, I mentioned high demand. Uh, and uh, just as we have come into the new unit and opened up both of the partial hospital classrooms, um, the demand remains. And so we have uh, been granted permission by the state uh, to expand and we've added eight additional beds and we will be renovating the unit that we left um, in order to meet the needs of eight additional kids um, with autism. So our time frame for that is, is early fall sometime. Uh, again, what has to come together is not only the construction side, but also the staffing. And, and these are unique staff with unique skill sets. Um, so once we have safe staffing numbers, we will be able to um, relieve a little pressure um, on the ERs, which are experiencing really kids, uh, children's hospitals, there's a children's mental health crisis. Um, and if we can take a few kids with autism out of the ERs to allow room for some other kids um, in need, I think uh, we will be doing the community a great service. Yeah, Tom, any upcoming projects you wanna talk about? Yeah, we have, uh, we have an exciting project that we're starting uh, at uh, the Stanford Hospital, uh, LDRP and uh, NICU. Uh, so we're very excited uh, to start that. Actually was uh, delayed about a year uh, with COVID. So we're actually seeing a lot of things uh, start to pick up. Um, uh, so we're excited about, uh, about that job. And uh, we're here to support the Hospital for Special Care and continue our partnership in, uh, in their upcoming projects to uh, help plan and coordinate uh, their upcoming work as well. And, you know, we, we have time, so I want to touch on this. Staffing issues, has it changed a little bit for construction industry? I'm not sure. Um, I feel like if you're a construction worker, you're usually a little bit more resilient anyway, right? You're out there in, in awful conditions some days. You're used to working through anything. Have you had a trouble maintaining or, or getting more people to become work on your team? Uh, you know, if, I, if we could take a step back in the uh, in the beginning of COVID, uh, when certain cities uh, shut down, uh, I know Boston had had shut down a lot of work. We actually saw an influx of workforce that came to Connecticut. Actually, in some cases, helped uh, keep projects moving uh, as people were entering uh, in and out of quarantine. Um, and at this point, uh, it's pretty steady. Um, right now, the, uh, the materials and the supply chain is one of our biggest obstacles. Uh, and that could be driven from the number of employees that are working in the manufacturing and in the shipping and delivery business. 
Um, so we are seeing some issues uh, in, uh, in the supply chain with plywood, uh, some different types of metals, structural steel, and things of that nature. So the procurement end of our business, certainly we have a very heightened awareness of the lead times of material. It's interesting you say that because I just did speak with um, a manufacturer and consultant for a different BizCast, and he was saying that um, manufacturers are having this skill gap and trouble hiring people, which again is not helping the supply chain issue. So right now it is trying trying to get into a better flow of um, being able to get you guys the supplies. On the other side of things, Lynn, you have seen a decrease, right, in, in medical staff, and it's it's more important than ever that you find these workers to come and, and work at your hospitals. I believe that's what you were saying when we spoke yesterday. Sure. Yeah, healthcare recruitment has never been more challenging. I, I think COVID has caused people to rethink uh, their careers and uh, scared some folks off of the front line. And, uh, you know, Connecticut is always very, a uh, very competitive area. There are lots of hospitals and lots of healthcare systems. Uh, fortunately, with autism, it's a very unique skill set. Uh, so, and we are a single provider, not, you know, in the state. So um, we, we are a little better able to attract, but nursing um, and physician staffing is really very critical at this point uh, for, for everybody in healthcare. Well, thank you for listening to this week's CT BizCast. It was a pleasure to learn about this partnership and hopefully we can follow up on some more projects you guys work together on in the future. You can listen and subscribe to our podcast on Apple or YouTube. And for more episodes, head over to CBIA.com.